with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. As we see in the story of today, the church chose for us the healing of the paralytic man who was carried by his four friends and placed before the Lord in a house that was very hospitable. If you think about it, in this house had many different kinds of people. They had people who were ready to listen to the Lord, and it had the scribes who had people also who were willing or eager to catch him in something that they might accuse him. So they had this house was filled with many people. And the person who owned this house and who hosted them made them all feel welcome to the point where even when they were breaking through the roof to put the paralytic in front of the Lord, we don't hear anything recorded of him saying anything about this or kicking anybody out of the house or asking the Lord to leave because he's causing the people to come and they're vandalizing his home. We don't hear any of this, you know, from this person who hosted them. Um, and I think maybe if it wasn't for this hospitable host, then perhaps the people would not have been healed by hearing the word of God. And this paralytic may have not been healed by being placed in front of the Lord, plus maybe anybody else who was healed at this uh, gathering. We spoke a little bit last week about uh, hospitality and what it means as a Christian for us to be hospitable. We spoke briefly about what is the value of uh, hospitality, and we said that it opens the door for blessings not only to myself and my home, but also to those who visit our home, like this paralytic man, who he received the blessing because the house was open by you know whoever owned uh, this house. Also, one of the uh, values is that the Lord enters the places and homes where he is welcome. So when we're hospitable and we welcome strangers into our home or welcome people who are uh, visiting into our home, this is something that is a blessing for us. And lastly, it created, creates an opportunity for transformation. Then we began to say, okay, what are some characteristics of uh, Christian hospitality? And we looked last week about um, uh, the example of the Shunammite woman and how she hosted Elisha. And we said that we learned four things. We said that she was sincere in her invitation and in her hospitality. Number two, she fulfilled his need. There was a need that he had because he was traveling and she filled that need for him. Number three, we said that she sacrificed. She built him a house or a room, put a bed, a chair, and a table and everything and a lamp in there. Uh, And lastly, her motive was pure. We'll mention two quick examples this morning, uh, additional examples that we can learn from their hospitality. And then there are some maybe words of warning as we open our houses and open the church to hospitality or to those who visit and those who are foreign. The first example we're considered today is Abraham and Sarah when they hosted the three angels. At the time, they didn't know, of course, that they were angels. Uh, this passage comes from uh, Genesis chapter 18. I'll read just a few verses from 2 to 5. It says, So he lifted his eyes, Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. So he saw these men who were passing by or traveling, not knowing who they were. He went and he bowed himself before them and told them basically, Do me this favor by allowing me to host you. If I have found favor in your eyes, um, do not pass by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet. 
and rest yourselves under the tree, and I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that you may pass by, and as much as you have come to your servant. This is what he does when he sees them. Many things we can learn from this. Number one is that he didn't consider, he considered this an opportunity, not a burden. When we're hospitable to people and we welcome people, whether it's in our home and in our church, we shouldn't look at this being something that is a burden to me, but it's something that's an opportunity for me to gain a blessing uh, by hosting uh, or someone or providing the needs of someone. Um, if we think about maybe how we prepare for a guest, for example, maybe we call and say, you know what, I'm Yusuf or I'm McGregor are coming and we'd like to visit you. Oh man, the things that people will do, you have to come and have dinner and you have a whole uh, table full of different types of food and meals and everything because the bishop is coming visiting us. Compare this to if somebody is visiting from out of town and needs a place just to have a lunch or dinner and we don't know who they are, maybe we'll just make them a box lunch or maybe we'll have them come uh, and eat leftovers with us, whatever it is. Uh, but the difference in how we prepare, right? Um, we consider one as a blessing and one as, okay, he just called us, so we'll just do it and we might feel that this is like a burden rather than a source of blessing. Listen to what St. Paul tells us in Hebrews 13. He says, Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so some have unwittingly entertained angels. And he's, of course he's alluding to this passage of Abraham where he entertained them and he was eager to entertain them and it turns out that he was actually entertaining angels. The second thing we learn from this passage is how Abraham honored his guests. How did he honored his guests. Number one, he made them feel welcome. He gave them this warm welcome. When he saw them, he bowed himself before them and he said, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass, but let a little water be given and come let me wash your feet. So he made them feel welcome and he wanted them uh, to come into his home. Uh, the same thing we heard last week in the story of Zacchaeus. When the Lord said, I want to come to your house, it says that he made haste and rejoiced. So meaning he accepted his guests with a big smile on his face, eager to serve them and to host them. You know, sometimes there might be, and we'll mention this in a, a little bit uh, later, but there could, we could greet our guests in a different manner. Sarah, on the other hand, she wasn't expecting these three guests. And what was her response? He said, he offered to them, I'm going to get you a little bit of water and morsels, like a piece of cake or a cookie, and this is all we're going to serve them. And then he turns to Sarah and he tells her what? Go kill the, the fatted calf, go make this feast. And she and the servants went and they made a whole feast, right? She didn't complain to him, say, you never told me that you're inviting anyone. I'm not ready to, you know, make and cook food. And we don't even have an animal to sacrifice now. And give him name. Okay, what are you going to do with them while I try to get this ready? And who knows what she told him just between the two of them. She may have gave him a look or, you know, uh, this could have been the cause of many problems to begin. You know, so we don't know. But she was welcoming as well. She went and prepared this food and accepted this as not only Abraham's blessing, but her blessing as well. When I prepare food and welcome those who are strangers and those who are foreigners. They made them feel welcome. Not only did they make them feel welcome, but they made them feel comfortable. Rest here, let me wash your feet. Sit under the tree in the shade and let me come and help you 
to get your rest. And they did this. Sometimes when we invite people over to our houses or in the church, we initially welcome them, but then we begin to make them feel a little bit unwelcome. Uh, maybe they might come in and we begin to inter- uh, interrogate them about their life, their business, go where are they going, where are they coming, how much they spent on this and how much they spent on this. We begin to interrogate them. So the person who's supposed to be f- feeling welcome and comfortable is now feeling, okay, I'm here being interrogated and being compared to and... Um, sometimes or when we invite uh, guests over and we have them uh, or people come new to the church, we need to also give them their space and respect their choices to say no. You know, sometimes in our culture we offer, offer, and offer and we don't accept no for an answer. To the point where, you know, sometimes Abuna and I were visiting one, one time and somebody like was going to like feed us with a fork. We said, no, we have to go. So they took some of the cake. They're going to feed us. And he, no wasn't an option, you know, so uh, we didn't know what to do. <laughs> Please. Um, so sometimes we don't respect the limits of those who we welcome into our home or into the church. And we must give them the space to express themselves freely. Sometimes we're in a discussion among ourselves and I have the host, or if it's my house and I'm hosting it, I have a certain viewpoint of things and I expect everybody who's in my home to believe and uh, and uh, have the same kind of opinion. And if they don't have an opinion, I don't respect that. I don't honor that. And I make the, you know, the, the sitting or the uh, talking a bit uncomfortable. So we need to give people their space to express what they like and what they dislike. The other example we'll mention is that we're all familiar with is Mary and Martha. Of course, we know when the Lord, uh, during his ministry, he would often go to the house to receive his rest and to be served by them. And the, uh, St. Luke records for us one time where he went into their house. Uh, and as he's sitting there, Mary's sitting at his feet and Martha is busy serving him, getting the food and the meal and all of this stuff. Uh, and then she was upset and she went to the Lord and said, is it right that I'm serving, you know, uh, you and Mary's just sitting, you know, there. The Lord responded to her and he said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed and Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. He didn't say that what she's doing was wrong, but he said that Mary chose the good part. And what is that good part? She understood that this person, the Lord Jesus, was special. He was a prophet or he was a holy man. So let's sit at his feet and listen to him. Let's connect with him instead of simply serve. Maybe the way that Martha expressed her love was by being a doer. as She was serving and doing. And this is how she expressed her love. But at this moment, the Lord told her, the better part is for you to sit and connect with me. You know? It's like sometimes we can come to the church and we can be so busy in doing the things, whether administrative things or serving as a deacon or as a priest and whatnot, and I'm busy doing, 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 but I forget to make that connection with God. And that's what he wants. This is the good portion, the portion in which we connect with him. Um, I remember uh, shortly after so Sonia and I got married we and we moved to, Sonia lived in New Jersey and we moved then to Tampa. One of the uh, servants used to serve her, and I knew them uh, very well. They said, we want to come visit you after you know you got married. 
So we're like, great, wonderful. So we began. So how are we going to be hospitable? We had to plan a menu and how we're going to have them in our home and everything. And then he called me uh, and he told me something I'll never forget. He says, you know, I, I don't want to come to your house and, and eat there because we get we have a limited time. We have just a couple of hours. We can stay with you and then we have to you know move on. Um, and I don't want to spend this time, you know, just sitting around the food and eating and all of this. I want to spend the time and, and with just you and, and Sharon. So I tried to, in, to, you know, get him to just come over and he insisted. And then so we agreed that we would meet somewhere, you know, uh, at a restaurant and we would just sit and talk with each other. But I felt Fallon that when he, we came, he came and the two hours that we, maybe we spent together, he wanted this not because he didn't want to trouble us, but because he wanted to connect with us. And sometimes when, you know, it's all about the food, we spend more time preparing food and serving food that we don't, we miss the connection part of it, right? So it's, this is the better portion. Yes, there's time for the dinner and ad and everything, but there's also time perhaps when there's limited time to make the connection the most valuable part of our gathering, not simply the food and what we're going to eat. So we learned from Mary and, uh, to make that connection when people are um, coming to our home or coming to the church. When the people come into the church for the first time, we need to make an effort to try to connect with them. Right? Where are you from? Why you, you know how you know how are you doing? And what brings you here? And so on. Not just look at them and pass by. Make them feel welcome and connect with them. There's another piece of advice that uh, Saint Peter tells us. He says, "And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling." So he says, when we're showing hospitality, don't do it in a grumbling way. You say, Abuna, what do you mean? Uh, how if somebody we're welcoming somebody into our house, how will we grumble? That it can happen. There are sometimes maybe some people who are forced to come over to our house and I'm not happy about this. So I meet them in a grumbling way. It can be anybody. It can be a family member. It can be an in-law. It can be a, a co-worker. Don't let anyone come into your house and you grumble, right? Uh, the same thing when somebody enters in the church, we shouldn't greet them in a grumbling way, we shouldn't grumble when we see someone, but we should be always happy to see them and welcome them. A smile goes a long way. So what are some just quick words of caution when we're hospitable and showing hospitality to those in the church or to those in our home? Number one is we have to remember that when we are the guest, when we are going into somebody's house, we be ourselves a humble guest. Um, sometimes when we're invited to people's homes, we feel like we are like the guest of honor, you know. So we go and we walk in and we sit down and we expect people to serve us. And when we want something, we say, can you get me so and so? As if we're the king and then the prince that are there uh, and queen to be served. Look what the Lord teaches us in Luke 14. He says, when you're invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him come and say to you, give place to this man, and then you being with shame, uh, begin with shame to take the lowest place. So when you're invited somewhere, don't take the front seat. Don't pretend like you're the, the guest of honor. And then when somebody more honorable than you shows up or is there, then you're asked to move your spot. But he says, begin in a humble position. 
Come with this humble attitude, be willing to help if I'm, if I'm able to help, to lend a hand if, you know, if the, you know, things need to be done in the house. So be a guest that is humble. Don't be over demanding. Don't say, okay, well, I don't like this, or what's going to be, what are you going to have, and I need this, and I need that. If there are certain dietary restrictions, I can bring them, you know, myself. So I'm not going to burden the person who is hosting me. Also, don't be difficult to please, but rather be content with whatever is served. And this is what the Lord told the disciples when they went out to minister. Of course, the people would have to host them. And he told them, when you go out to minister, he says what? Um, whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat, su- eat, su- eat such things as are set before you. Whatever set before you, eat it. Don't say, oh, I don't like this. Make this for me because I don't do this. No, he says, whatever is in front of you, you eat it. You know what they say in, 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 our, in Egypt about uh, being this kind of guest? They say, Very good. In English, it's you know, be a light guest. <laughs> it makes more sense in Arabic. Like, be, don't be a burden, right? Be very light. As if you know, they won't notice even that you're there. Number two is when we invite again people over in the same chapter in uh, Luke 14. Look what the Lord says. He says, when you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you shall be repaid in the resurrection of the just. So he's telling us here, when you invite people over, don't invite them to be repaid. Don't invite them so they can invite you. And this is very common. I'm going to invite so-and-so to my children's uh, graduation or wedding so that when this time comes, they come uh, and invite us as well. I'm going to invite them to our birthday so then they can invite us to their birthday. And then when this doesn't work both ways, خلاص زعل and you know, and then we can't, uh, the families can't speak anymore, and that's it, right? Don't ever host and welcome people with the expectation that I need something in return. No, then we lose our blessing. The blessing is when they cannot repay you. You know, there are many types of services that we do, and sometimes we do them so that people can repay us. You know, any of the public services we do in the church, people can say. Thank you. But you know in the story of Tobit, what he did, his brethren were killed unjustly and left in the street to be devoured by the wild animals. And Tobit, his service was to take them and bury them in his own home. Just between him and the dead person. The dead person couldn't even say thank you, but he did it. There are some services here. It can be like maybe, for example, serving in the, the, with our brothers and sisters with special needs. We can serve them and we can labor for them and they might not even, even say thank you, right? Serving in a way that maybe perhaps nobody knows. I don't serve on Sunday where everybody sees, but I serve during the week. No one even sees me. I don't receive a thank you, right? We shouldn't do any hospitality, do uh, uh, any service with the desire of people saying thank you, right? Or wanting some kind of repayment. The third warning is, uh, do not be a stumbling block. That while we are opening our homes to uh, um, to others and being hospitable, do not make your home a place where your guests may stumble. 
For example, we can be um, sitting with one another and uh, maybe me and my spouse aren't on the best terms. And while we're sitting there, um, she does something and I make a sneer comment at her. Oh yeah, she look, she always does this. She's not ready with this. So you make the people who are coming to your house as guests to sense the tension between the two of you. This is unfitting. This is unfitting. We shouldn't do this. You make them feel unwelcome and they will likely, or they, if they pick up on it, they want to leave, right? So then my house becomes a stumbling block for the people rather than a source of blessing. Also, for example, not, you know, if, if uh, your neighbor's kids or people, the kids from the church, they come to your home. You know, it can be a stumbling block by not supervising them. You know, um, just having our homes open and let the kids do whatever they want, watch whatever they want on the TV with no supervision or play any video games if they're violent or, and things like this, where there's no supervision. Then perhaps there was one child who doesn't really do this and they go to your house and they're exposed to something inappropriate on your son or daughter's phone or the TV. Again, this is a stumbling block. So we need to be vigil. Don't allow our homes to be a place that's a stumbling block for our guests. Also, you know, again, uh, I hope this is never the case, but if we ever have in our gatherings among each other, if there's alcohol or if there's uh, vaping or if there's shisha, and we have people coming, you know, from the, uh, the church and any any guests that, for that matter, and we have this going on in our homes, we might say, oh, but this is Mishadif A and we're adults. Okay, we're adults. But there are also people who aren't adults. And if we, even if your children are there, if we do things and we say, oh, but it's okay, hey, it's something small. So you might understand this is small. What, do you, what does your child understand? Your child will understand that this is okay with them. So if they do, if mom and baba do a little bit at home, the whole principle it means it's okay and it's an exception. So outside of the house, it will be whatever they want. right? So I become a stumbling block. My home becomes a stumbling block, not only for my children, but for any guests who might be there. And maybe some people are saying, أَبُونَ مَتَعَدْشَ الدُّنْيَا مَتَعَدْلِي خليك كده يعني يعني نفرف شوية لا إحنا عايزين يعني they'll they'll say إحنا مش كديسين يا بون إحنا مش كديسين طب if we're not كديسين هنبقى إيه أو في one of two things مش عايز أقولها alright it's one of two things but yes we should be كديسين why not why not don't isn't it when we say in the divine liturgy we say holy for the holies كدسات للإيه كديسين and who takes this إحنا we do Right? So when you take communion, we're saying, that we're the saints. Right? We're holy. So it should be, our homes should be holy places. The last warning is uh, division. When we offer our home to hospitality in the church for hospitality and open it, it uh, we shouldn't use our home to cause divisions. I'll remind you what the Lord said. A house divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Sometimes we invite people uh, to our home to form like cliques and groups. We say, you know what, so-and-so, he's my enemy, or I don't like them, and they have these three families. They find a new family come, and they'll immediately invite them to their house so they can take, you know, part of the, as if it's like World War II, the Allies versus the Axis. You know, and this, it's not, shouldn't, shouldn't be like this. And then when they come to my house, I begin to talk to them about this other side and what these other families are doing. What are we doing? We're only sowing division. We shouldn't allow our homes to be homes of division, but homes of unity, right? Homes of praise. 
And we can also cause division among each other when we speak ill about them, when we gossip. We invite people over to our homes and what we're doing is gossiping about other people. Again, this sows division. Maybe there's somebody there who never met the person you're speaking about. By the time they leave your house, they have a negative impression of them. Again, sowing division. Don't let divisions creep in our hosting of other people. So we said this morning, among the other characteristics of Christian hospitality, we consider it a blessing and an opportunity and not a burden. We must honor our guests by making them feel welcome and comfortable. And we need to connect with them and avoid grumbling. And we said just a couple of words of caution is that when it comes to ourselves being a guest, Kharina Devi Dev Khafif, be a humble guest. Do not desire repayment when we host anyone, and do not be make our homes a stumbling block or a place of division. May God grant us blessings of uh, being hospitable in a good Christian manner. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen.